Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always. This is the Star Wars story of colors and shapes. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. Star Wars fans, move milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 90 of Blast Points. The big nine zero. Yeah. <laughs> this is Jason. And Gabe. As you heard in the beginning, it's time to go back to school. The kids are all back to school. So we figure we do uh, an educational episode. Well, more educational than usual, right? <laughs> They're all yeah. educational in That's some true. way. That's true. But this is, this is like schooling. Writing and arithmetic and yeah. rancors and raftars and regis. So we were all ready to talk about the the amazing adventures and colors and shapes. But then news comes up out of nowhere. Just like I think we say every week, just when you think it's going to be a slow new, slow news week, it comes bursting out the wall. It's like Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> it's episode nine. Back again. Six, seven, eight, nine. Good night, everybody. No more Colin Trevorrow. No. As news that surprised almost no one, Colin Trevorrow, at least before filming even began, is no longer directing episode nine. So the good thing, it seems like Lucasfilm is getting better at finding problems sooner. So he didn't get to film the whole movie before they decided it wasn't working. But I kind of feel bad for him because the guy never got a whole lot of love from day one. As soon as he was announced, I mean, it was kind of like, who? Why? What? Maybe there was like one or two people. 
I read somewhere that we're excited <laughs> for him to be the director. Maybe I, I guess the writing was on the wall when that uh, when Jack Thorne came in to do the screenplay because wasn't Colin Trevorrow originally with his writing partner? He was writing episode nine, and the, what was it? The article in Hollywood Reporter that said his relationship with Kathy Kennedy became unmanageable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do wonder if people are speculating that there has that some of it may have to do with Carrie Fisher passing away because that would be hard to work around. Oh yeah, uh, and especially if whatever his original plans were are now completely changed to kind of have to not even start from scratch but rework something maybe. Yeah, all all the talk originally that nine was Leia's movie. I don't know. It's almost like were they starting over twice now on nine? They might have had an idea for nine before Carrie Fisher passed away. After December of last year, they probably had to rework that. And then oh. who knows how much of that idea carried into whatever Jack Thorne is right now furiously typing away, drinking right, coffee. Right, right. right, that makes sense. Yeah, and he's probably fearing for his life right now, too. <laughs> because, <laughs> right, depending on who the director is, actually, regardless of who the director is, they may want to have some input on the script, but I guess we're finding out, too, though, that it's really Kathleen Kennedy's running the show with an iron fist, but she's kind of still, what, keeping low-key behind the scenes, but she's definitely pulling the strings. But that's good. Star Wars needs that. She's not letting anything that's even close to mediocre coming out the gate called Star Wars. It's a big space machine now, right? With all the movies, like if one has problems, it just steamrolls, I guess. Everyone is waiting, even though we're only two movies into this thing, almost three. Everyone's just waiting for this thing to fail. Yeah, a little bit. Because people are mean. And if it's not the movies that are going to fail, people are waiting to just pick on Lucasfilm. Like, oh, Luke, look at them firing all these directors. Lucasfilm's in trouble. And any, and if anything, too, right? It's not any different. I mean, that's how Star Wars has always run. I mean, before it was Lucas, whether he was directing or not, like, he was pulling the strings behind the scenes. So now that that's Kathleen Kennedy's job, it seems like she's she literally is the new Lucas in this case, where director or writer, whoever, they ultimately report to, to her, and she has the vision. Everybody reports uh, to her. The people making coffee... <laughs> Everyone's scared right now. Yeah, probably. If Kath Kennedy wants an egg McMuffin on her way to work, the people at the drive thru at Mickey yeah. D's are terrified. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> a ton of names came up for possibilities for a replacement director for Colin Trevorrow, who Colin Trevorrow, I think, was last seen on a boat with Lord Miller and uh, Josh Trank. A boat floating in a lake of liquor. Um, but you know they they have a good pretty good sized support group now, so yeah, it keeps it keeps growing. So <laughs> they can just start they can have weekly meetings and talk it through. Yeah, a list of names start coming up uh, of as re people who may be taking over the job for directing nine. The one name that uh, I think it was Deadline who prided themselves as being the ones who broke the Ron Howard story. They were saying that Ryan Johnson is at the top of the list. It makes the most sense. And it is, I do see it's a little weird that ever, there's a lot of people who are all about Ryan, even though we haven't seen the movie or really even a full trailer yet. I kind of think I would be comfortable with that. 
when I read Ryan Johnson, yeah, I was just like, well, yeah, of course. But it's like, well, wait, we haven't even seen that much. What if this movie is doo-doo? It won't be. I have a feeling it won't be, but, like, yeah. what if? Right, because we haven't even seen, like, a scene with anyone talking. Like, yeah. we've, we've heard voices, but we haven't seen voices synced up with the mouth. But we've seen, you know, little casino lima bean people and space horses and caretakers. And yeah, so... I think I'm okay with that. I don't know. And I, I do like the fact that I feel like Ryan Johnson, of all the people they've had, is the closest to a, a Lucas in a way where he's the writer and the director. And it, it feels like even though Kathleen Kennedy is like pulling the strings in the shadows, like he seems, seems like a good fit for Star Wars. And I think he got a lot of goodwill, too, when at Celebration. Yeah, because he just seems like just a generally, genuinely nice guy. Yeah, who's just really excited and in, into doing what he's doing. And Ryan Johnson, he would have the benefit of he wrote the story and the screenplay for episode eight, and I would rather see the conclusion of that story come from at least someone who was involved in. The other part. And I almost wonder if, too, at some point, if Colin Trevorrow's screenplay was not going right, and if they talked to Ryan Johnson and, like, well, what were your ideas? Because you know if he wrote eight, he had some ideas for nine. Do you remember when he first got hired back in 2014, the rumors were going around before it was officially announced that he had the job that he was at first directing eight and nine? And then that he did, he was going to direct eight, but and write the screenplay for nine. Yeah, and then that changed, I think, to him directing, writing and directing eight, and then at least doing a story outline for nine. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Also, too, I mean, it sounds like if part of the issue with nine is figuring out what to do with with Leia and Carrie Fisher's part, and he seemed to have spent a lot of time with Carrie on eight. Like, it just seems like his head's in the right place to kind of close that story out, too. He yeah. obviously is comfortable working with Disney. He's comfortable working with Lucasfilm. He's comfortable with the cast and everybody. And he said he would do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> A couple months ago. So, And the, the word is that, like, Last Jedi is, like, pretty much done at this point. Like, I'm sure there's still effects that are still coming in or, you know, sound mixes being finalized. But if you wanted to sit down and watch The Last Jedi right now, I was reading that pretty much you could. We haven't... There hasn't been any... Uh, any leaks because everybody that watches it dies. <laughs> they just spontaneously combust. We need to figure out, like, being John Malkovich, but being Bob Iger, where we just go into his mind. It's like, Bob, you're watching Last Jedi again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm a businessman and I need to control my business. I think Bob Iger's drunk. See, the other name that was coming up, though, was. The return of JJ. The most recent thing on that was somebody, somebody knew somebody, and they said that that wasn't that wasn't going to happen. I honestly couldn't see him coming back. Yeah, I don't see why he would. The chances of JJ coming back are about as much as Lucas coming back. Well, I bet Lucas would come back. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think so? Really? Like really? I, well, I think if if they were like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. No, I don't think. I think. I don't think he would want to come back to finish somebody else's thing. Mm -mm. Yeah, I just it, I could see too with JJ like he kind of went out on a high note. I could in in Ryan's favor too. Like if he agreed to do nine before eight came out, it seems like there's less pressure there too because it's not like 
oh, will it be as good as eight? Because no one's seen eight yet. And then other than that, it's like the Ron Howard thing. I just at this point, it just seems like why would they bring in someone outside, like somebody new, when they have people they've worked with? Like I could see them getting Gareth Edwards before hiring somebody new. <laughs> yeah, there, there was you know talk of Joe Johnston, and there was people rooting for Dave Filoni, my buddy who's a big Star Wars fan that lives down the road should do it. He'll do it for free, man. Yeah, <laughs> people saying Patty Jenkins, who did Wonder Woman, should do it. I could I could see her doing one, but I I can't imagine DC. I don't know. They're going to try and hold on tight to that Wonder Woman thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just imagine keeping it in-house and keeping somebody they know and they trust. Like, as much as I want to see Dave Filoni direct a live-action movie, I almost feel like, maybe I'm just imagining this, but that I could see him getting Kathleen Kennedy's job before he starts, before them having him direct movies. I could see them making him more of an executive producer over things as opposed to... I mean, which he's already kind of doing with animation, like he's getting out of the the day to day individual stuff and doing the big picture stuff. I mean, it would be as much as I love Filoni, it would be his first live action movie. You, you think like, oh, how could you do that? But you know, somebody like Brad Bird had no problem with that. Well, and doing the the last chapter of the new Star Wars trilogy is a little different than Mission Impossible Four or whatever Brad Bird did. <laughs> yeah, there's a little less pressure. Well, I'm sure we'll find out soon, but. Colin, tomorrow we'll miss you. We we barely knew you, Colin. Tomorrow, yeah. world of tomorrow ended. <laughs> Tomorrowland, no more. But it is. I was surprised. I mean, and maybe by the time this episode comes out, they'll have announced the replacement. But with how fast Ron Howard got announced, I'm a little surprised. It's been what, like two days now? Yeah, <laughs> and we don't know, so maybe as soon as we're done recording, they'll announce who it is, but I was trying to think today if, if it makes sense for them to announce somebody quickly, just so people don't freak out, or if, in a way, they don't really need to, because episode nine, you know, they're not even really going to talk about it officially until probably after Han is done, so it's yeah. like, even if whoever starts working on it now, they don't really have to announce it. But they got to start filming it, because it comes out I mean, episode nine come, is supposed to come out a year from this May, a year after Han. They have to start filming it pretty soon. Yeah, probably in what, January. I, you know, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if nine gets pushed back to December 2019. Yeah, especially when Han gets pushed back. <laughs> In all the excitement of Force Friday, that whole weekend, they dropped a Rebels trailer for Rebels Season 4. Yeah, that was kind of out of nowhere, too. I wasn't expecting that at all. And then all of a sudden, what? Wait, huh? It's more Rebels stuff. In a sea of people talking about Star Wars, there was that, too. And it was, I felt kind of bad because it, I almost felt like it got kind of overshadowed by people buying Porgs and people taking videos of porgs and their cats meeting each yeah. other and stuff yeah <laughs> but it was a pretty cool trailer with tons of neat stuff and it's kind of like oh yeah rebels rebels is yeah. coming back all right we got more wolves we got more loath cats atsts and mandalorians my favorite part of the preview i have a few favorite parts but my favorite part without a doubt is the giant saw Guerrera head 
yelling at Mon Mothma. If you continue to allow this war to be fought on the Empire's terms, you are going to lose. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz hologram saw Guerrero head is pretty, it's hard to top that. <laughs> the Rebel Lions are stupid. Uh, you, you should see my crew. It's a whole lot cooler. Oh, and we get to see one of the two tubes brothers. Yeah. He's, he's laughing. He's flying yeah. a ship with Saw. <laughs> and he's laughing, I know. Saw, saw told a joke. Saw always, he's always cracking jokes. <laughs> he's a real funny dude. Yeah, that's why all the, the aliens, the goofy aliens like him. He's just cracking jokes all the time. That's why he needs the oxygen, because he's like, he can't ever breathe because he's laughing so hard. <laughs> cracking up to all his jokes. Yeah, that's why when Jin comes in, he's out of breath. I'm sorry, Jin. I've been, I've been laughing all day. <laughs> just flinging zingers at everybody. I got a real funny bone. <laughs> oh, he's making the guy looking at uh, crystals laugh. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. Saw's going to be in the seasons tomorrow. Two tubes. Death Troopers. Death Troopers. They talk about Krennic. Krennic has been quite persuasive about his own project. Stardust. Oh, man. Did you, well, did you read Filoni? Yeah. Breaking S- Hearts. Yeah. So can we like start like a Kickstarter to help out Rebels to get Krennic on the show? Like, I, oh. If everybody donates five bucks, maybe we can get Krennic on Rebels. They can afford to do his cape. He's always using the cape excuse, but that's valid to a point, maybe. I was thinking about, you know, Filoni's a trickster, though, because he didn't say Krennic's not going to be in the show. That's true. Filoni knows how to, like, play people. So, like, if Krennic shows up and you're like, you said Krennic wasn't going to be in the show, he'd be like, well, did I? Krennic didn't have his cape that day, so it was okay. <laughs> yeah, because Krennic could show up without a cape. Actually, yeah. it makes sense if Krennic showed up without a cape. He was put that cape on in Rogue One because things were getting hot, and he thought he was going to get a promotion, and he wanted to look cool for, like, his bosses. Well, or he had, like, lunch spilled on his sleeves, and he was like, ah. I got to cover it up with this cape. He had everything on his <laughs> things you wouldn't even think like could stain clothes, like a piece of bread. Some toast stuck underneath his sleeve. <laughs> it's a whole piece of pizza stuck to his shirt. Most disappointing about the piece of pizza, Director Krennic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All I kept thinking about with this too is, is like I wish I kind of wish uh, Lucasfilm would do cartoon versions of the books, kind of like how DC just does their little animated things. Because someday I just want to see a like Krennic talking to Pago the Lesser from oh, Catalyst. That would be <laughs> huge. Like I was thinking something like that. Mm-hmm. How I, they just announced today that Disney was going to do their own streaming service, right? Yeah. And all the stuff was going to leave Netflix and go to the new Disney thing. But they were talking about how they're going to do like original movies and like specials that will only be available on the Disney streaming app. And I was like, oh, they're going to do something with Star Wars. That's a good point. Because, yeah, I was thinking today, I was like, well, I'm not going to pay for the Disney app. I have all the movies. I'll just watch. I'll just get my DVD out. Right. Because it's like on Netflix, it's just convenient because I already have Netflix. But, yeah, if there's whatever the new show 
comes on after Rebels is like only on the Disney streaming, then it's like, oh, all right, you got yeah. me. <laughs> yep. And it's like, hey, we're going to do the Krennic Adventures with the, the greatest hits of Catalyst. That would be awesome. Yeah, like DC does like animated versions of popular books. Like, man. Yeah, like even the Aftermath books. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. You could probably do a whole season. But rebels, yeah, rebels. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're back. <laughs> so they're back. So they're on Yavin Four. We finally get to see X Wings. Yep, the, awesome. Yeah, and like the first time watching it, there was so much other stuff. It didn't even dawn on me till like the second time through. Like, oh yeah, we'd never seen X Wings before in yeah. Rebels. So like animated X Wings, like the dream is real. Yeah, Thrawn sending out Rook to go get Hera. You got giant wolves. So I think those wolves are gonna imprint on a baby. I think. Renesme. Yeah, Renesme. They're going to find a, a super intelligent baby and they're going to imprint mm-hmm. on it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Star Wars uh, Star Wars needs some werewolves and vampire romance. It most certainly does. It was interesting Kanan saying to Ezra, like, It's not whether or not we fight. It's how we choose to fight that matters. I know, Kanan. Maybe we're choosing the wrong way. Giving hints that this whole story is wrapping up, and that's you know that's the big question that everyone's had since season one of Rebels. Like, what happens to Kanan and Ezra? Yeah, and it's exciting that they decided to cut it after four seasons. So we'll finally get to find out. But it's I'll be a little sad because it's really starting to grow on me. It seems like it's like with Clone Wars. It's like by the like fourth season, it's kind of when you really get you get hooked. I went back and I watched some stuff from Rebels Season 1, and it's kind of like going back and watching stuff from Clone Wars Season 1. You're kind of like, wow, this show really has come a long way. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's the, uh, since we just had our IG-88 episode, right? Isn't there the Macquarie IG-88 in this? Yeah, you see he gets, like, what, shot by, like, a Mando from behind or something, I think. Mm -hmm. Lots to look forward to, and it all, it's October 16th. It comes on, which is interesting because that's a Monday night, and Rebels is on on Saturday. So it made me think, why put Rebels out on a Monday night unless they're timing it with something else going on that could be happening on a Monday night with Star Wars? What would we want to see from Star Wars? (laughs) I can't think of anything I want to see. About Star Wars right now. Yeah. Something we're all waiting for. You know, there's the Monday night football thing, so Did you notice in the Rebels trailer that the X Wing is like a green is like green squadron? Don't tell me that. Yeah. They're all green. The pilots can have green jumpsuits. I hope so. Oh, what if Merrick shows up? He could. Maybe he's green leader before he's blue leader. Or at least somebody with a mustache. Has <laughs> anyone had a mustache in Rebels yet? I know Kanan has a beard, but just like a full on mustache. Didn't that little uh, quarry, the little the little tiny Mon Calamari guy, didn't he have a mustache? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I wanted him to. I think so. I was just thinking it'd be great if, like, Kanan and Ezra die in the first episode and the whole rest of it is all about Merrick. I'd be sad a little bit, but, yeah, Merrick would make all my sad go away. So they don't have me right around Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> Like, everyone's waiting to see what happens to the ghost crew. Well, we're going to tell you in the first episode. <laughs> then we're going to get to Merrick. Real Merrick here. I'm real <laughs> Merrick in hero. 
collection. Entry deadline April 1st, 1983. Thousands entered. Only five win the grand prize. Details on posters and entry blanks at participating stores. Your entry gives you a chance to be one of the first to see... Return of the Jedi. So it's time to go back to school. It's time to do some some learning. <sighs> Education. Mm-hmm. A little-known gem out there from 1984 is the Star Wars Adventures in Colors and Shapes. It was a record. Yep. It was a tape. It was a book. It was based, So it was one of those Disney read-along books. It came out, of course, after Return of the Jedi, and it came out. It was after the Ewoks joined the fight, but before the adaptations of the Ewok films in Read Along. And there were only two of these, what they called the Discovery series for Star Wars made. There was Adventures in Colors, Colors and Shapes and Adventures in ABCs, which Adventures in ABCs is amazing, and I don't know if we're promising or something to look forward to or something to dread the eventual episode of adventures in abcs but it's gonna happen yeah at some point but other than that like that a fact that it came out in 1984 there's shockingly little info about colors and shapes out there yeah there's not much at all about this one even less than the other book and records right yeah i mean other than it's it was on what buena vista which is the same as the other ones which was Disney's record company, right? It's a lot of the same voice actors, but this this one they actually got Anthony Daniels. So you can tell since it's after Jedi, the money was running out. <laughs> I don't know. The the only thing I found that I thought was cool that um, the illustrations in the book are absolutely amazing. And guess who has a lot of the original illustrations from this book? George Lucas. <laughs> I wish Sand Sweet. Oh, Sand Sweet does. Yeah. The, yeah, the art in this is is really really good. For some reason, it's almost all like C three PO butt shot. If you have a thing for robot butts or three PO's butt, this is the book which, for you. Which who doesn't really? Yeah, yeah. Because like all I kept thinking about is the the Gendy Clone Wars, the like strangely erotic three PO taking his robe off scene, and it's like every picture in this book is almost like that pose. Did you notice too every photo of Chewbacca? He looks like uh, he he just got back from a really great party or something. I, like, I've never seen Chewbacca smile as much as in this book. No, Chewbacca's like, yeah, he's either like hungover or he kind of looks like like bad touch uncle. Like you don't want to <laughs> get too close to, to this Chewie because he might be inappropriate. <laughs> So let's go through the adventures and colors and shapes, and let's try and learn about some colors and some shapes. So it it starts in a rebel hangar, right? Yeah. Well, as, as all Star Wars stories start, <laughs> right? The rebel hangar was already buzzing with activity when the droids R2-D2 and C-3PO arrived. R2, I just know Captain Solo and Chewbacca will be needing our help. There are so many details to attend to before they can take the Millennium Falcon out on a supply run. Were you trying to figure out when in the timeline Colors and Shapes takes place? Yes, because it felt like it was before Jedi. Definitely. I I think in my mind it was like after Empire, before Jedi, maybe. Well, Han is there. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> I forget about. And Luke has two hands, so yeah, I guess it's before Empire. Yeah, and I, I was going by Luke's haircut. I think it's definitely post A New Hope before Empire. So you know, maybe this is right after A New Hope, and Han's like, "I got to fix my ship after helping you blow up the Death Star." That would make sense, and that's why Chewie's so happy because he's like, <laughs> "I told you, Han. I told you. Yeah. You, never, you never listened to me." Um, mm. So Han needs a full star plate. Yeah, as we all do from time to time. <laughs> we all do. Because <laughs> in the Adventures in Color and Spa- Color and Shapes, you learn that full star plates are the most important thing to make ships run in Star Wars. And that they're not very consistent in how they're made. <laughs> no, I... Of every color and every shape. As the two droids neared the Falcon... Han Solo seemed very upset with Chewbacca. What do you mean the magnetized full star plate is broken? Well, find another one. C-3PO called out. Excuse me, Captain Solo, but is that plate important? Important? Listen, Professor, the first time we try to go into hyperspace without it, we'll end up as space dust. C-3PO saw that this was his chance to help. Don't worry, Captain Solo. We'll find a full star plate for you. Come, R2. We have work to do. R2-D2 followed C-3PO out of the hangar and beeped a question. Well, no, R2. I don't know what a four-star plate is, but I'm sure it won't be hard to find. Honestly, R2, sometimes you act as though I don't know what I'm doing. The Rebel base has a supply room. So 3PO and R2 go to the supply room, and there's a guy... Working at the supply room on the Rebel base, which is basically like a shop at the Rebel base, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The guy working there, he looks like a Ken doll. He's very handsome. <laughs> he could be played by Kurt Russell. Yeah, it does look like Kurt Russell. The young Kurt Russell. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Do you have any full star plates? The technician handed C-3PO a metal circle. Sure. Here you go. One round full star plate. The golden droid turned to his short companion. Did you see how easily I took care of that, R2? I can't wait to see the happy look on Captain Solo's face when I give this to him. Here's one thing about Han Solo in Colors and Shapes. He's kind of a jerk. Yeah, this may be the jerkiest Han Solo story of them all. Because he's basically just (laughs) berating 3PO for not knowing, basically for not reading minds. Because he doesn't give him any specific direction. But when Han saw the plate, his look was not happy. No, no, no. This is a circle, Goldenrod. It's round. Full star plates with round sides only work in X-wings. I need one with straight sides. Now get going. So I wonder how many kids learned about shapes from this, from being berated by Han Solo. Like, <laughs> if that was a successful at teaching them shapes, then a normal teacher if you don't learn about colors and shapes, Harrison Ford will come to your house and yell at you. Your parents are ashamed of you. Why didn't you do it right? In the drawings, he's like, every drawing, he's like really angry. Like he's yeah. drawn angry. The round full star plate is not correct. Han needs one with straight lines. So to get a full star plate with straight lines, you got to go. You got to go off the grid. You can't go to the supply room. You got to go to like a bootleg seller. That person is Zilnor. Yeah, Zilnor, who is one of the most amazing characters in the Star Wars universe. 
Who really needs a standalone Star Wars story? C-3PO was still anxious to help. He led R2 to the storage area of a scruffy scavenger named Zilnor. Excuse me, Mr. Zilnor, do you have any magnetized full-star plates? Zilnor ran to them excitedly. My metal friends, this is your lucky day. These two full-star plates just came in. C-3PO shouted, Look, R2, they both have straight sides. Certainly Captain Solo can use one of these. Let's d- describe to me Zilnor's his look. <laughs> he's pretty much, I was thinking he's like the singer from Spin Doctors or something. He's like, <laughs> he's got, it's like a, a chubby biker with an eye patch and a red trucker's cap and gold chains in a vet. He's kind of like all the village people mixed together. <laughs> He's got a big bushy beard. It's the gold chains that killed me. Not just one, like like Mr. T style. He's got like double gold chains. <laughs> um, he's got a holster that looks like it holds a slice of pizza instead of a gun. <laughs> in case he gets, like he keeps his lunch in there. The next celebration. Everybody's going to be Zilnor. Oh, the amazing Zilnor. Who's just he's I was wondering too, why is Zilnor at the rebel base? He must work there. <laughs> I was thinking he's just he's just hanging out because there might be a party later. maybe this rebel base is at Zilnor's house. Oh. They're like, we need a new base. I know this dude Zilnor. <laughs> he's a little uh, weird. Did you notice too his voice kind of sounds like Dexter Jetster too, which makes it even better? My metal friends, this is your lucky day. These two full star plates just came in. And he calls them his metal friends. So maybe they're going to like talk about what are the, the sweet bands that came out. I bet you guys like that Metallica. <laughs> My metal friends, this is your lucky day. So Zilnor gives the droids a full star plate that has three sides, right? He gives them two, yeah. Yeah, give them two. A triangle and a pentagon. Still not good enough for Han. Jerkface Solo. Well, you're getting warm, 3PO, but you're still in the wrong galaxy. But Captain Solo, both of these plates have straight sides. Listen, Professor, this is a triangle. It has three sides. That other one you brought is a pentagon. It has five sides. I can't use them. I need a plate with four sides. Not three, not five, four. And if you ever wanted to see a drawing of Han Solo holding up four fingers with an angry face, this is the book for you. So he goes to Luke Skywalker, right? And Luke is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after Force Awakens and Last Jedi stuff, it's actually was fun to go to this book because all I could think about is like, man, Luke was always so nice. Like... (laughs) I really want to see what happened to turn him into the grumpy man that Han Solo used to be. If we got to interview Mark Hamill, be like, you were so nice in the Adventures in Colors and Shapes book. Yeah, what happened? Luke looked up from repairing his X-Wing fighter and listened patiently while C-3PO explained his problem. The plate cannot be a circle, Master Luke. It must have straight sides, but not three sides like a triangle and not five sides like a pentagon. It must have exactly four straight sides. Just what are we to do? Luke smiled. Don't worry, 3PO. I think I have just what you need. Luke lifted a plate with four straight sides out of a tool chest. How's this? 
C-3PO threw his arms up in triumph. Oh, thank you, Master Luke. Come on, Artu. We mustn't keep Captain Solo waiting. He gives this to Han. Han is still mad. Look, Captain Solo. Here's the plate. I found it. You're hopeless, Goldenrod. That's not what I wanted. But it has four sides, like you said. Yeah, but that's a rectangle. See, two sides are longer than the other two. I want a square. A square has four sides all the same size. But why didn't you say so in the first place? Which, again, I bet you it's right after New Hope, and he's just grumpy because... Chewie just keeps saying, I told you so, I told you so. You wanted to leave. These people are so nice. Chewie, take the professor inside the Falcon and show him where to find the square plates. <laughs> they go inside the Millennium Falcon. I got a bit confused here. What? Yeah, they they go to uh, – yeah, they do go in the Falcon, and there's just like a hallway full of school lockers, <laughs> which is probably where all Han's clothes are. Probably. And oh, that's why everybody, everyone's using his clothes because he just has like that whole section. That page has the creepiest Chewy face too. I didn't even like looking at it. <laughs> he sold that wrench and giving him the creepy eyes. Hey. And you can tell R2 looks like really embarrassed and terrified of, of Chewy. They open up like a locker and it's like the trouble of tribbles. All these full star plates just fall out all over the place everywhere. Honestly, R2, why didn't they just tell us it was here in the first place? C-3PO opened the locker door, a pile of Polestar plates crashed down on him and scattered all over the room. It's nice to see it even in book form, right? You got, got to get the 3PO hijinks. He finds a square Polestar plate and he brings that to Han. Now we find out that Han needs a specific color. Here is your square plate, Captain Solo. Han gritted his teeth. I'm so glad we have you here, your helpfulness. I see you finally got the shape right, but now you've got the color wrong. C-3PO was puzzled. What do you mean? I mean, I need the red plate, not the yellow one. You see, this plate is yellow, like this yellow screwdriver, or this yellow sign, or the yellow sun, or like your empty yellow head. Now go bring me the red plate, and don't you dare come back with any other color. <laughs> He's so angry. Yeah, it's like, even though everything else I own is yellow, I can't, I don't want this one to be yellow. It's kind of extra mean, too, because, like, 3PO's yellow, and he's yeah. basically just insulting 3PO at this point. I don't want yellow. Yeah, he says your empty yellow head. If inside your own ship, you've got, like, a locker filled with full star plates, <laughs> would it have killed you just to go inside your own ship and be like, hey, Chewie? What, we need a square full star plate? Let me go in and get it. I know right where it is. Yeah, it's a good point. But I mean, he doesn't, you know, tell him where to get it at the beginning. He just we, asks him to get one. It's just, it's rude. And it's not like 3PO can get around fast anywhere. But it is kind of 3PO's fault because he's like, I'll get a full star plate for you. And R2 is like, do you even know what one is? And 3PO's just, you know. <laughs> I can, I know what a, I can figure this out. Yeah. So you can't feel too bad for him. They go to the central computer in the Millennium Falcon, which is fascinating because we get to hear the central computer's voice. When they arrived in front of the central computer's camera eye, C-3PO held up a square plate. Excuse me, central computer, but could you tell me if this plate is red? The computer screen blinked to life. No, that plate is green. Because I've always been really into the line in Empire 
I don't know where your central computer learned to talk, but it is a very is a peculiar dialect. I've always been like, well, what what does the Falcon central computer sound like? What is that peculiar dialect? We finally get to hear it in this book. It, and it's not a very peculiar dialect. But it has the best information. Yes. So we go through colors in here. We learn about the color green, which, of course, green is the color of Greedo. Green is the color of grass and of leaves on the trees and of Greedo. Kids in 1984, of course, you know Greedo. You wouldn't be reading this book if you weren't into Greedo. And Greedo is green, of course. I wonder if it came with a sticker that says, includes Greedo. The parents want to buy their kid. It's educational. I don't want it. Oh, it's got Greedo. Okay. Give it to me. Did we say why 3PO had to go to the central computer? Because he's all of a sudden colorblind? Because he, <laughs> yeah. he got hit in the head by the full star plate? <laughs> yeah. For a, for a minute, I was like, mm, now you've gone too far, colors and chase. But then I was like, well, it's Star Wars. So yeah. The next color we learn about is white. And what is white the color of? No, that plate is white, like paper, or this hoojib, or a wampa ice creature on half. Hoojibs. A hoojib. What else would it be? Yeah, if you're reading these books, you're obviously, <laughs> if you're reading the educational one, we're pretty sure you read the cool ones first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know all about Planet of the Hoojibs. Yeah. Uh, it was or just, a wampa. Or a wampa. It was just nice to get, nice to get a hoojibs shout out yeah. in there. Well, and especially precedence over a wampa. Like, it's not like the other one where it was like, they're not going to show green grass or leaves. They're going to show Greedo. Yeah. But here, you know, you the, you would think, oh, I can draw a hoojib or a wampa. But see, this is where they talk about Hoth, right? How do they know about wampa ice creatures on Hoth? This is before Empire. Maybe the Falcon Central Computer was already scouting, scouting out Hoth. And they're like, well, there are these ice creatures on this planet that we have to be careful of. It could be. So the next color we learn about is brown. That plate is brown, like this Ewok, or a piece of wood, or a Wookiee. Now that's interesting, because you get the sense that nobody knew what an Ewok was before Return of the Jedi. Why would they? But the, the, the Falcon Central Computer might. I couldn't imagine Han being like, okay, Central Computer... Talk to me about colors. Right. If he would have only asked about brown, <laughs> Return of the Jedi would have went a lot differently. Yeah, they would have landed on Endor and he'd be like, listen, I know all about the creatures on this planet because I learned about the color brown. Yeah, he never asked about wood or... You'd think he would have asked about Wookiees and maybe they're like, you know what else is brown? This Ewok. Yeah, maybe the, this one is a little too wild to even get Legends status at this point. <laughs> but, <laughs> when are we sending... Pablo, some Twitter questions of where this falls in the canon. <laughs> He'd be like, it's those guys again. The Cassie and my gloves guys. Yeah. Now that we know about the gloves, our next question. Tell us about colors and shapes. <laughs> <laughs> so the central computer finally helps and they learn what color Han needs. No, they know they need red, but 3PO can't see color anymore. Oh, And yeah. R2, I think R2 is just like, I'm not even going to tell you at this point. <laughs> so 3PO needs the computer to tell him what color the plates are. Yeah. And he's got one left. So he's pretty sure, okay, the other three weren't red. I only have one left. It has to be red. C-3PO had only one square plate left. Since none of the others are red, this must be the red plate. I found it. 
Don't bother me now, Arthur. We have to hurry back. Chewbacca and Captain Solo are waiting for us. And I think this panel explains what's going on with Chewie because all the time you think Chewie's holding tools, but I think he's holding like a bong or something. In this, in this one. Well, that, that explains it. So maybe, maybe that's what's going on with weird Chewie face. So where do they finally find the red full star plate? R2 has been trying to tell him the whole time that it was, I guess it was stuck to his butt. Han and Chewie began laughing. (laughs) There, stuck to C-3PO's back was the magnetized red plate. Han pulled it off of the surprise droid. (laughs) I think this is what he's been trying to tell you, 3PO. It must have been stuck to me ever since I was knocked down. I'm sorry, R2. I should have listened to you sooner. Han smiled. Well, Professor, it looks like you finally found the right plate. It's square, and it's red, and it'll fit perfectly. Thanks, 3PO. Thanks for all your help. (laughs) It was, like, magnetized and stuck to his butt. And then Han finds it and pulls it off his butt. And it's really weird picture of creepy Chewie looking at 3PO, looking at his butt, and Han (laughs) laughing, pulling a plate off his butt. And, And then the day is saved. Han has his red full star plate. They fly away off on their supply mission to who knows where. C-3PO beamed with pride as he and R2-D2 watched the Millennium Falcon blast off. I knew I could find it, R2. I'm quite good at these things. You could learn a thing or two from me. Yeah, and everything is all as well, and C-3PO beamed with pride. <laughs> And we learned about colors and shapes. It's a good story. I mean, I really like Droid World, but this could be my favorite of all the uh, Star Wars read-along books. It's pretty good. It's up there. Because I think this is maybe the best Han. Like, before, I think the, was it the Ord Mandel one? Ord Mantel one? Oh, that, but that one's like real. That's like a real story. But I think this Han is better than, like, that was the, that was like the best kind of grumpy Han. But this is like over the top. Super grumpy Han because it's all the same actors, so it all it all happened right in the same read along universe. <laughs> and this has Zilnor, and yeah, Zilnor is not to be underestimated. So we'll post the audio from Adventures and Colors and Shapes on our Facebook page, and I think we'll we'll try and put a link in with the the episode description too. And there's a great video on YouTube. You can hear the audio, and it's like someone flipping the pages. You can. Read along with the read along. Yeah, this uh, guy was a Star Wars radio on YouTube. Yeah. Does like a really good job with these. Yeah, like they're super high res, and they actually there's like wipes and transitions between the pages. Like it's better than having the real book. Truly wonderful, the mind of a child is. All right, so we have got two questions from kids. We haven't had questions from kids in a long time, and I miss them. Yeah, and this perfect back-to-school, more learning. So let's get to our first one. Cassie asks, what company in the Star Wars universe makes droids? She, I guess she was curious after seeing BB-9E. Cassie, that is a really good question, and I was really thinking about this. Like, 
whatever manufacturing company in the Star Wars universe makes droids, they make droids for, like, the Empire and the Resistance. I mean, there was, like, K2, who's, like, a stolen Imperial droid. But now we're seeing, like, BB units that are in the First Order and the Resistance. So, yeah, it's a good point. Well, we talked about some of them in the uh, IG-88 episode, right? All the IG droids were made by... Do you remember Jason from your all your research? The the poo poo company or something? <laughs> I've I've already blacked it out. It was like Hollow One or something yeah. like that, right? But yeah, that's a good point. That I think in the older movies they didn't really mix droids between you know good guys and bad guys, right? The, the Empire had all their they had their protocol like droids, but they had different heads and things. Well, which is kind of the same thing with the BBs, though. It's almost like the Death Star droid where the body was almost like 3PO, but with a different head. Well, and we saw, I mean, there were like the Geonosians that were making battle droids, but those were different than like protocol droids and astromech droids. Yeah. And like with with K2, there really wasn't a rebel equivalent to K2. You know, you do a, a quick search on like Wikipedia or something, and there's not really a real clear answer for... That question, like, who's the manufacturer of droids? So that's almost a story that could be told one day. Like, where do these droids come from? They get them all from the droid world guy. There you go. Yeah. Klaxon, what was his name? This is Klaxon, and I don't want any dealings with you human life forms. I'm a cyborg. Yeah, so he, you know, maybe he made a bunch of droids. Great question, Cassie. Thank you. So our next question from kids is from our listener, Marissa, and it's from her five-year-old daughter, who would like to ask us, where is Qui-Gon Jinn from? He was so good in the first movie, but I don't know enough about him. That's a really good question. Uh Uh-huh. So I did some research on this. There were old stories that came out during around the time of the Phantom Menace saying that Qui-Gon was from Coruscant. But I think that was, if I remember right, that was like disproven in that Qui-Gon Obi-Wan comic, maybe? But as of right now, like with the new um, the new stuff, Qui-Gon's homeworld is unknown. That's another thing. It's like the droids. That just hasn't been told yet. They're waiting for the, the Qui-Gon story movie. Qui-Gon is still very much a mysterious figure. An awesome and mysterious figure. Much like Yoda. Nothing but mysteries. I would imagine wherever Qui-Gon is from, it's awesome. Yeah, maybe that's what I want to let people know, because everybody would move there. I would love it if he was from like the the planet that was like the origin of the Force. Where the priestesses were? Maybe he's from uh, Achu. He was raised by the caretakers. The big chicken was his best friend. That was his pet. That was his dad. (laughs) He was hatched from an egg. Hey, what's up, Jason and Gabe? It's uh, Taylor Gray. uh, Excuse me, Ezra Bridger here, Spectre 6, uh, reporting into Blast Point's podcast. Just wanted to say what's up, and uh, may the force be with you. See you guys. So we've got a couple iTunes reviews 
that we should get through. Sent right. in by fantastic listeners out there that leave iTunes reviews on iTunes. So what's what's our first one? This first one's from Augusto1975. Celebrate the love. All it took was three minutes and a Sagarera impression. I was hooked. This podcast is outrageous. Jason and Gabe are hosts with a great knowledge of everything Star Wars. Not only just the movies, but the universe's deep cuts, like DVD extras and toy commercials. They are always up to date with the latest news as well. Also, it's so refreshing to hear people that truly and deeply love every aspect of the Saba. Saba. (laughs) We love the Saba. The Saba's almost as good as the saga. But truly and deeply love every aspect of the saga. From Boar Gullet to Mungo Baobab. What? What? Can I suggest you guys do full commentaries for all eight movies? It'd be so wizard. May the force be with you. We could. We we should. We might. It could happen. It could happen. We got some more droids to get through first, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All these droids episodes waiting. We're all about giving the people what they want. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but but thank you, Augusto, 1975. Yeah. Uh, this next one is from Yaddle Paddle, and it's titled More Williams Guitar Music, Please. Okay. Uh, Yaddle Paddle writes, Jason and Gabe encapsulate exactly what it is to be a fan of the vast Star Wars universe. My first listen was almost two years ago as they were waxing poetically about Episode 2 and all of its quirky glory. Yeah, that that's an, uh, that's an old one. Yeah, but a good one. Yeah. My mistake was listening at the gym while doing strength training. Several times, I nearly and dangerously dropped weights on myself because I couldn't stop laughing. They instantly hooked me as I felt they were speaking directly to me as a fan. I realized they were just guys in their 40s who are not so self-conscious, not so self-serious about Star Wars. This podcast spoke to me through the force. I will forever be a listener as this podcast has brought so much joy every Tuesday. I've dealt with bouts of depression and anxiety over the last few years, and Blast Points has been just the medication I've needed. Thank you, Jason and Gabe. Well, that's that's yeah. awesome. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. If our silly saw Guerrero imitations are, <laughs> you know, helping you get through... That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That's yeah. what it's all about. <laughs> Just don't let weights fall on you. <laughs> no. Be careful. Yeah. yeah. We need to put a, like, don't operate heavy machinery while listening to Blast Points. <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't listen to it in woodshop class. Yeah. While flying a plane. No. Jet skis, maybe. Yeah, maybe jet skis. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank 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 you. Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. So you should leave us a review on iTunes, just like Augusto 1975 and Yaddle Paddle. When you're done listening, head over there, write something awesome. We'll read it on an upcoming show if you do. And if you don't do iTunes, feel free to send us an email or drop us a line on Facebook and uh, let us know what you think. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. 
check out the website, blastpointspodcast.com, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the place. Yeah, and share Blast Points with your friends. You got friends that are in Star Wars, let them know. That's how that's how podcasts get around. People telling other people to listen to it and um, yeah, spread the word about Blast Points. It's kind of podcasts are kind of like the flu. Next time you sneeze on somebody, tell them to listen to Blast Points. <laughs> so that about wraps up episode number 90 here. We'll be back next week with something else. Hope you enjoyed the back to school special. Hope you learned something. Thanks for yeah. listening, folks. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. That was the end of the story.